Hello, I'm Sheena Shake brown a director in the IP technology protection and enforcement team at Phil Fisher, and I'm going to take a few minutes, less than five, to summarise a recent High Court decision on the application of the groundless threats provision in the Patents Act. The case was Shenzhen Kaku against NOCO, and it's a High Court case before Mr Justice Mead. The defendant was NOCO, and the claimant was Kaku. The defendant had a patent for a portable car jump starter, and they had submitted a number of complaints to Amazon via Amazon's UK IPR procedure about the claimant's listings. Judge Mead held that the patent was invalid and not infringed, and he then considered whether the defendant's complaints to Amazon using their complaints process amounted to a groundless threat. So Section 70 of the Patents Act states that a communication contains a threat of infringement proceedings if a reasonable person in the position of a recipient would understand from the communication that a. a patent exists and b. a person intends to bring action for infringement. An action for unjustified threats can be brought by any person aggrieved by the threat. He then summarised some key principles. Whether a communication is a threat must be considered objectively by reference to what a reasonable person in the position of the recipient with its knowledge of all the circumstances would have understood the writer to have intended when read in the context of the letter as a whole. Threats don't need to be expressed. You need to prove that a defendant asserted legal rights and intended to enforce them. A threat can be veiled or covert, conditional or future. And to be aggrieved, a claimant must show that its commercial interests have or are likely to have been adversely affected in a real way, not fanciful or minimal. He added that it's not a black and white rule that a request to stop selling is a threat. He then provided some commentary on the case law on threats in similar contexts. Specifically, there are some interim decisions concerning eBay's Vero program, but he went on to say that these cases are just for interest only because it would be impractical and wrong in principle to assess cases by comparison of facts in the previous cases. So then he turned to the facts at hand and he summarised the key question as requiring him to assess how notifications would have been perceived by the reasonable person in Amazon's position. There was no need to consider Amazon's subjective views, but its commercial arrangements and procedures are objective matters and they're relevant if they would condition how the communication would be understood. He then summarised the key evidence in this case and held that there was an unjustified threat. So on that, some of the key evidence which persuaded him were that there were evidence of various communications between the defendant and Amazon about the defendant having sued third parties. Meade described these as strong and striking. The defendant had gone as far as sending Amazon claim charts. Also, at some point, upon the claimant requesting that the defendant's products be delisted, Amazon did it, but then relisted it after the defendant gave indemnity to Amazon. And critically, it seems to me, upon my reading of the decision, upon Amazon delisting some of the claimant's products, discussions took place between them and Amazon's lawyers, where Amazon's lawyers explained reasons for the delisting. It said that it had assessed the allegations by the defendant and concluded that they were sufficiently grounded. Judge Mead commented that the defendant may have had a defence if it could be shown that Amazon delists automatically without regard to its own legal position. Then the defendant could have argued that Amazon didn't feel threatened itself. Its response would have been preordained by its own policy. But the fact that Amazon does allow some products to remain on its market, notwithstanding complaints, strongly suggests that it isn't an all-or-nothing approach, and the risk to Amazon is weighed against its desire to sell all it can.
So the evidence showed that Amazon makes a judgment in its own self-interest. Hence, there isn't a policy to delist blindly. The defendant also submitted that it would never sue Amazon. And Judge Mead remarked that Amazon didn't know that. Judge also noted that the, from an early stage, the situation was freighted with legal positions being taken. So with all of that, Mead had little to no hesitation in concluding the communications to Amazon were threats of patent infringement. So this, this decision is the first of its kind in relation to Amazon's IPR procedure, um, where Amazon is not itself a party to the proceedings. And uh, the groundless threats provision of the Patents Act is equivalent in material respects to those applying to trademarks and designs. So this decision might not be confined to the patent space. But whether you can rely on it in the future definitively when dealing with takedown procedures isn't clear. The court recognised there may be real differences between Amazon's policies and the approach to other ISPs. And here, in particular, the communications between Amazon and the parties respectively were very critical to the judge's conclusions. So should notices be clear that we won't be suing the platform should complainants be extra careful don't be too aggressive will this open up the floodgates we'll have to see thank you for listening